Agent Power Huddle is a daily jumpstart, giving you all the tools you need to create an amazing real estate career. Led by top experts in the field, you'll learn how to sell more houses in less time while creating the life you want. Welcome to the Agent Power Huddle. Welcome, guys, to a Mindset Monday. I'm Jesse Zagorski, broker associate with EXP in San Diego, and just a general fan of all things real estate. And we're do, we do this thing every Monday, you guys probably know, called Mindset Monday. Um, our regular host for this morning, uh, Dionis, he, he couldn't make it. So uh, I'm filling in. And I texted my buddy, Ed Land and said, Ed, let's talk about mindset on a Monday. And Ed said, what'd you say, Ed? Absolutely. <laughs> there we go. He's like, I'm in. So Ed Lane has been a has been a good friend of mine for many, many years. He is a, a fantastic uh, broker out of uh, the Seattle, Washington area. And we've been nerding out on mindset and motivation and all things real estate for a while. So I texted him this morning. We're going back and forth on what we're going to talk about. And he sent me this picture that I'd actually never heard of, but it's this cute little smiley face holding hands with a brain. And it's called Mind Hacking Happiness. And I was immediately intrigued. So, I mean, we're not going to go to, I mean, this is a book. We're obviously not going to cover the entire book. We'll, co- we'll cover a little bit of it, but what, what is mind hacking happiness, Ed? Yeah, it's, it's actually a pretty fascinating book. If, if you're interested in kind of getting control of your mind and a lot of the ways that meditation helps you do that, it's, it's an unbelievable book. I'm only like on chapter five and I already can tell it's going to change how I see the world and just my happiness. So and I've been kind of a student of uh, positive psychology for about, I don't know, probably 10 years since I read the first book about it. And for those of you that aren't familiar with it, Freudian psychology is what screwed you up when you were young that now manifests itself today. Positive psychology is your brain can grow, your brain can actually learn, and your brain can improve. What if we focused on the positive instead of the negative? And that practice has only been around for about 25 years. So um, there's a bunch of really awesome books, but I've always had this sort of open mind about the next book. You know, whoever has ideas about it, I want to hear what their ideas are. Well, this guy actually is its pretty funny because he was a developer at a Silicon Valley tech company. He doesn't name it, but he says it's a huge one. So you can assume it's Google or somebody like that. And he became fascinated with the topic as well and, and just started diving into it. So the very, very short version of it is everything uh, that people talk about yourself and awareness and mindfulness and all the kind of current, you know, catchphrases, they go back 3000 years and they're touched on in every religion, in every, you know, educational book, everything. And all this guy does is explain it in basic terms so that you can understand it and apply it in your life. And I'm not joking when I say after like two or three chapters, I started having these sort of not out of body experiences, but definitely an awareness that I didn't have before. And he calls it uh, meta awareness, which is beyond awareness. Meta is the word for Greek or Greek word for beyond. So I'm like in these conversations going, huh, this isn't going the direction I want it to. I'm going to try and change the direction. And then I do. And so uh, very, very early stages, but it's a pretty fascinating book because it gives you the practical application of how to not manipulate your brain, but just listen to it. And, And he actually 
talks about the command center of your brain, which is where all the, he, he even refers to them as switches and dials and knobs that you can adjust when you're in a, a moment of crisis, a moment of emotion, a moment of anything. So it's pretty cool. Interesting. Okay. So, so if you're, if you're on here with us live, Lisa just dropped a, uh, uh, a link into the chat box. It's just mindhackinghappiness.com. Um, is this, I'd hadn't, I'd never heard of, is this a, is this a newer book? Uh, I mean, obviously the, the ideas are thousands of years old, but is this book like a newer thing or how did you stumble upon this head? You know, uh, it was funny. I, I don't know how old the book is. I don't think it's very old, but he has sort of relaunched a new social media campaign to heighten the awareness of it because he had a bunch of success using it with Navy SEAL teams. And that's kind of what caught my attention. Cause I was like, well, those dudes are badass. And if he can give focus to some of the most focused people on the planet and have them say, Oh my God, this, this actually makes everything make sense to me, or I forget how he exactly said it. So uh, the first time I saw it, he actually, it wasn't even his own story, Jesse, and it's a phenomenal story. So I'm going to share it briefly because it's crazy. His, this video pops up on my feed and it says, hey, and it's the author, Sean Webb. And he goes, hey, I've got a, a missing child story with a happy ending. And I'm, of course, locked in, right? Because I have kids. I hate sad endings of those stories. And so to find one that has a happy ending, I'm in. So I watched this less than two minute video and he proceeds to talk about how there's this guy in like North Carolina named, I think his name was James McGonagall. And he is a certified uh, psychic for the CIA. And I was, that blew my mind immediately because I'm like, the CIA believes in psychics. Okay, I didn't know that. So this child goes missing. Mom thinks the child's with dad. Dad thinks the child's with mom. It's a three-year-old kid wanders off and they call the police. The police are searching. They're now hours into this. It's the middle of the night and they can't find the child. And they decide to call McGonagall because they use him regularly, but they knew he was on vacation. So they were trying not to bother him. So they bother him. In five seconds, the guy you know, gets woken out of bed in a hotel room in Vegas. And in five seconds on the phone, he goes, Tell your officer to go to state route, whatever, get out of his car, put his compass at 318 degrees, walk 1290 paces in that direction and call out the child's name. That was the specificity of his, his, you know, directions. So they do that, right? They go out, they get, you know, part of the way on the 1290 steps and they reach a hill. Well, a lot of studies about lost children will tell you that children don't go up hills. They'll go around. And I didn't know that either. Right. But so they call the guy again in, in Vegas, wake him up again. And they say, we came to a hill. What do you want us to do? And he goes, do what I said. <laughs> Just like that. Because now he's starting to get pissed. Right. <laughs> so they do. They go 1290 paces. They call the kid's name out. Kid calls back. He had walked up a hill because his parents had told him, if you're ever lost, walk to where there's light. And there was a, an old cabin with a back porch that had the light on and a couch. And so he laid down on a couch and fell asleep. It was like three in the morning. And, but he heard the police officer. And I was like, okay, I, I need to learn more about James McGonagall. And I need to learn more about Sean Webb because these guys are on to stuff that interests me. And that's how I found this book. 
And so, so how does, so that's a really cool story. So how does Sean Webb, so McGonagall is the, the, how does Sean Webb, the author of this book, tie into that story? So he had just come back from a week long uh, seminar or some sort of event that McGonagall had put on. Ah. And so that was top of mind for him. And, and he was speaking to a following, you know, that they all listen to him regularly. I, it just happened to be the first video I heard. And because it started with, I got a lost child story with a happy ending. I was. I love it. I love it. I want to read this. I just pulled up the website that that Lisa dropped in the chat box. I just want to read the the bullet points of what it says, because I want you to get into some of the actionable stuff this book talks about, because I'm fascinated. It says, it's time to level up your mind, increase IQ, increase EQ, right? So emotional, your emotional intelligence, increase cognitive function, increase creativity, memory, and focus, decrease anxiety, decrease depression, negative mood states, reduce chronic pain and inflammation, increase immune system. I mean, this is, this is pretty bold, all encompassing concepts where on a real estate blog, you know, podcast that we're on, obviously all these things turn into productivity for real estate in on top of just general life happiness, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and he says that emotion costs you 20 IQ points. So when you're in a situation and it becomes frenzied and you get emotional, you immediately get dumbed down. And it's it's a physiological fact, right? So what he's doing is he's, when he talks about the control center of the brain, it's really just being able to be introspective, right? Where you can evaluate, like I'll give you an example in real estate. So uh, Jesse and I, for those of you that don't know us or know how we know each other, met through REO. I had an REO asset one time where you remember how they have personal property and they give people a certain amount of time to get their personal property out in an eviction, right? Because in an eviction, you either get it out yourself or they're going to put it on the, the curb, right? So, so we go to this uh, condo in Seattle in Queen Anne Hill, which is a very popular neighborhood. And in fact, this scene behind me is from Queen Anne Hill. So views are unbelievable, but there's condos around the base of this hill. We get there for the eviction. I'm with the sheriff and we go in. First time I've seen the inside of this place. And he's got this conical pile of garbage where he had a hook at the top of the ceiling and it had, it was a lofted, single one bedroom condo, right? So you you came in on the living room floor and kitchen floor, went up a set of stairs to a loft bedroom, but that gave a 20 foot ceiling in the in the living room. And he had jammed a hook into the wall, like 15 feet up. He had hung wire like Romex over the hook. And then he just started attaching crap to it that he found wandering the streets of Seattle. And most of it was light bulbs, Blades of various sizes, uh, AOL CDs. You remember you used, they, they used to ship oh, yeah. those things out by the millions to us? And and more wire and just crap, right? So the cop says, I'm going to give you a half an hour. Like he was, That's, to me, kind of generous, right? He's, I'm going to give you a half an hour to get out of here what you want. So the first thing the guy does is he takes a trunk out of under the staircase. There's a closet, right? takes a trunk on a dolly and wheels it out. And I turn to the cop and I go, you don't think there's a body in there, do you? Because this guy was a 40-year-old blonde white dude with dreadlocks down to his ass. 
and just just a trippy dude, right? So he wheels out this big trunk, and we're looking at each other kind of skeptically. And and then he comes back in, and he walks over to this Christmas tree of death, and pulls out a sword. And this is where the uh, out of mind experience comes. He pulls out a sword, and he goes, "Can I take this?" And he points it at the sheriff. What do you think sheriff did? Sheriff goes, draws his gun. <laughs> doesn't even hesitate. And he goes, drop it, drop it now. And, and the guy's like, dude, man, you're, why are you so stressed out? And, and the cop says, hey, one of the eviction uh, sheriffs has already been killed in this line of work. It's not going to be me. And the whole time I'm standing there and I have this like leather folio kind of folded over my chest because I'm just watching, right? And when he draws his gun, I remember thinking to myself, huh, never actually seen anybody get killed. I wonder how I'm going to react to that because it, it's about to go down. <laughs> and the guy takes the sword and he slowly puts it down on the ground and he goes like this and he kind of backs away. And the cop says, you don't get to take any weapons because you can take all the personal property you want. you got 15 minutes left. And the guy goes, this is just not out of mind or out of body experiences, but it's the funny conclusion. The guy goes, what about all of this? And he, and he goes, the, I declare that's trash. Ed, you can trash it out. And the guy goes, no, no, no. It's a, it's a religious um, shrine. <laughs> and the cop goes, no, it's not. It's trash. And so that was the end of it. We trashed it out after the guy took what he was going to take. But just, just like being able to think like as an observer of this event, huh? I wonder what my body's reaction is going to be to someone being shot four feet away from me. That's heavy. Yeah. But, but the book gives you the recipe to be able to, to, you know, temper that down to something mild where you're in a negotiation and people are getting emotional and you're not. Right. You're just like, so where, so where does the recipe start? I, I'm, we can't cover the entire book, obviously in 30 minutes, but where does the recipe tell you to even dive in? Like, where does it start with awareness? What does it start with? Yeah. So he actually does a really good job. Uh, if you can go to audible and sample like chapter one, he does a really good job of sort of laying out here's how I'm going to do this. You know, he, he might even start with the, here's the historical, you know, the facts of it are, Mohammed talked about it. Jesus Christ talked about it, you know, and he goes through all the philosophers and everybody. And then he starts to lay out, he's going to do it by explaining what the different parts of your brain are and what they do. And he's actually pretty funny at the beginning because he calls them by their scientific names. And then he goes, I promise that's the last time you'll hear the word medigula or whatever it is, right? Medulla. And, uh, he goes, but but that's going to be how we do this. So I'm going to show you the control room, which is where your meta awareness are. And then I'm going to show you the other parts of your brain, which control emotion, which control, you know, like um, I, you might have even recommended it to me, Jesse. Did you ever read The Rise of Superman? Yeah, I, I think I did. Read it. It's one of my favorite right? books. Yeah. And that book is entirely about how your frontal cortex shuts down and your cerebral cortex takes over. That's muscle memory. That's called getting in the zone or flow is what the, the medical term is. Like that stuff fires me up because I always read. The, I literally read that book and thought, I'm going to teach my team to get into flow before every appointment. 
period, right? And you know, if I was successful, that they would close every listing appointment. Oh, yeah. So, 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 how, so how did you, uh, and Lisa just said she just ordered both those books. I love it. So, so how, when you, when you are training with your team, how do, where do you, where do you start with them? What, what do you tell them to do before a listing appointment or a buyer appointment? So this isn't like in an effort to get them into flow because I haven't figured it out yet. Right? Yeah, the, I'll give you the short version of the, the flow attempt. Do you ever read the Wolf of Wall Street? No. So in the I Wolf know of it, Wall but I've never Street, read it. He, he used to talk, he was a penny stock salesman, right? And he used to talk about how before he would go into a meeting to, to give a pitch, he would sniff these like disgusting, you know, like smelling salts type of smells to just trigger his brain, you know, cause his brain knew that whenever he did smell that it's time to focus on this kind of thing. And so I bought some of that stuff and I, I could, I did it once and I'm like, there's gotta be a better way. I'm not doing that anymore. So, so anyway, back to your, <laughs> your question about presenting for listings. The first thing I tell them to do is uh, when you're driving to the listing, before you get out of your car, turn your radio off. And they're like, why do I do that? Well, when you get out of the appointment, you want to be able to debrief your own brain on, okay, what went well? What didn't go well? What did I say that caused a reaction that I didn't expect? I got to remember, never say that again, or, or whatever it was. You can have a clearer mind if you don't have talk radio blaring at you the minute you put your key in the car, right? I like it. Then they walk up to the steps. They ring the doorbell. They always say the exact same thing. The, the consumer opens their door, they extend their hand, they say, are you ready to get your home sold? The reason they do that is the how the individual responds gives you a lot of intel about how your meeting's gonna go and what sort of things you gotta focus on, right? Because some of them are gonna say, I, I, don't, I don't really know. Okay, great, I'm gonna go slower. Or they're gonna say, it depends on what you're gonna charge me. Okay, now I know I'm gonna have to dig in on commissions and explain why I'm worth every friggin' nickel that I charge, you know, or whatever it is, the response will help you tailor the presentation. And, and I, I love that response, but I think in the context of what you're describing, there's another interesting part to always saying the same thing. It helps put you into state. The same thing with the salts we're talking, it's smelling the salts, the same thing yeah. with the, the mind hacking happiness we're talking about. It's all about kind of the, the levers and knobs in your brain. By stating that phrase, not only does it give you the information, but it's, you just know that you're launching into this, like you're flipping the switch and you're going into this next part that you do. Yeah. Is that part of yeah, it? Absolutely. And we script everything that follows too. That's why when you first told me you were doing all your, your stuff via Zoom because of the pandemic, I was like, oh, man, because so much of my success and I and I convert at a very high rate has a lot to do with people meeting me and hearing me and and building, you know, character and competence in the moment and all that stuff. And can you do it over Zoom? Absolutely. I'm, you don't need to persuade me of that. but. Does it take longer? Is it going to be as deep a relationship in the same amount of time or less amount of time? You know, all that went through my head. So what did I do? Well, the timing was such that things started opening back up. So I'm still going in person. Nice. Thus, the tie. The tie. <laughs> and, and, there's, and there's no right or wrong, obviously, the in person in person. That's so interesting as you say that. All right. I want to make sure I don't take us too far down rabbit holes. So we got, we got about 10 minutes. Um, as you go into this book, are there other things that so starts with obviously that awareness? Are there other mindset hacks that he talks about that are like actionable pieces? That... 
So I am only through chapter four. And uh, he went background, his credentials, history, the control center, which is your meta awareness. And then he told in the last chapter, he told a story of a near death experience that he had so he could illustrate how he discovered at the age of 17, this sort of ability to have an awareness of what was happening. And, uh, and so I haven't gotten more into it yet, but I can guarantee there will be. And I literally, after chapter two thought, uh, this is going to be another life changer. Well, I'm I'm excited to read it. I mean, if nothing else, this is obvious because I have a feeling for most of us listening to a mindset podcast or, you know, people listening to the podcast later on live with us here, this book is going to cover some things that, you know, and reinforce them, but probably there's a few things that you've never thought of in a different way, right? Like I, I've, I've discussed the concept on and read about it in various places of your brain being this control center. And I love, I love that image because then it gives you some sort of power as to what you can do to reprogram it. Right. You're not at the mercy of whatever fleeting emotions or thoughts might pop into place. You can take. So, it, I mean, every morning I wake up, regardless of how I, how I feel this morning, for example, it's Monday. I wasn't terribly excited and wake up and my eyes were like, yeah, I just woke up. I was like, yeah, whatever. Um, and that, but I got on my spin bike and I started listening to a podcast and I'm just like, and I'm programming my brain. And within 10 minutes, I noticed I'm like, oh, wow, I'm actually, I'm excited for the day. Like it just, it flipped that yeah. switch in my brain that quickly. Did, well, did you do like that? Did you ever read The Miracle Morning? I did. So do you remember the part where he talked about, uh, he did that sleep test, right? And he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get eight hours of sleep, seven, six, five, four, three, and, and not do anything different and see how I feel when I wake up each morning after, was that, six days in a row. Yep. Then I'm going to get three hours of sleep, but I'm going to tell myself, I'm going to do this mantra before I go to sleep. And I'm going to say, it's, you know, 2 a.m. I have to get up at five or I get to get up at 5 a.m. But three hours of sleep is the perfect amount. I'm going to wake up refreshed and ready to attack my day. And then he would get three hours of sleep and he would wake up and he wouldn't feel like crap, right? What you and I would do normally, at least in my past, because I adopted this in 2015, uh, I would go, it's three o'clock and I got to get up at five or whatever it was, right? Oh, this is not good. You know, and you'd start speaking negatively in your brain and it would pan out that way. So I started doing that in 2015 and I'm not joking. The first time I did it, when I told my brain, I'm getting up at 5 a.m., my eyes popped open at 4.59 looking at my alarm clock. And I was like, oh, click, turn off. I don't need to wake up my wife. I'm going to go down and do the miracle morning and meditate and do, you know, do the lifesavers. Well, it didn't matter if I told my brain I was getting up at 3 a.m. Like I did when I went to New Orleans for NAR and had a 6 a.m. flight. And I went to bed at midnight and uh, there may have been some alcohol involved. And I sat on my <laughs> hotel room bed going, Going to bed at midnight, getting up at three. Three hours is perfect. I'm going to wait for 2.59, even though I was inebriated the night before, 2.59, eyes pop open, looking at my alarm clock. Now, three hours of sleep. That's an impressive skill set. What's that? That's an impressive skill set. 
Well, and it was uh, what was interesting to me is my flight. I was on Southwest, right? So you end up having connections. So my flight from New Orleans to I think it went to Detroit or Cleveland or something in the Midwest. I was wide awake the whole two and a half hours. Like you'd think at least I I sleep fine on planes. So I figured I just got to get there and then I'll go back to sleep. Nope, I was wide awake for two and a half hours. And then on this, the connecting flight back to Seattle, that's where I, I started sleeping again. Huh. I mean, it's, your brain is so much more powerful than we all realize. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's the whole point. I was just going to say, if you can, if we can start tying together everything we've talked about this morning, that is what I'm hearing. It's just that reminder that your, your mind is so much more powerful than you give it credit for. Absolutely. And that self-talk portion, the, the things we say to ourselves, both to program it and just in terms of our perception. I mean, this is, I don't know, Ed, how often you think about this, but nothing materially will have changed in the facts of your life. But one night you're thinking, you're feeling either good or bad about it. You wake up the next morning and it's changed to the opposite. Nothing has really changed other than your perception of the events. You, you ever have that happen? A hundred percent. And so it spends a fair amount of time on that because he said, <clears throat> you're you get in a car accident, your first thought is it's the other guy's fault. The reality is the way your brain works, your brain decided to be mad. So the last outpost before any emotional reaction is your own brain. So if you can manage that and control it, even just a little bit, you can save yourself a lot of heartache because in the end, you are the cause of anything and everything even if it's negative and, and you believe it's out of your control because it's your brain's response to it that creates that emotion. And, and there's a lot of, you'll see if you start kind of plugging in, there's a lot of anecdotal, you know, he's smart. He shares a lot of, here's Susie that was like this one lady was just a raving bitch and her, so much so that her family wouldn't even let her see her grandchildren. And she read this book and now, no exaggeration, not only does she get to spend as much time as she wants with her granddaughters, she is the woman down at the mall holding a sign that says free hugs. So she went hating everyone and everything, and that was all self-projected, right? She would be grumpy about anything and everything, to now she's the free hug lady at the mall. <laughs> Just to, just to doing this work. And, and I noticed, by the way, this guy does have like, a, he has a free course. He has all sorts of stuff on this website. It's pretty cool. I'm going yeah. to start playing with it. There's actually, if, uh, if you want a kind of launching pad, it, at least it re resonated with me because I'm a, I'm a very patriotic and I'm a big fan of the military. There's a YouTube video where he interviews two of the Navy SEALs just to get their sense after they read the book. And that was pretty cool because they're, you know, there is a little blue language in there. So don't be offended. Uh, but it was pretty awesome. I love it. I love it. All right. Well, guys, I hope that we help launch your brand in this mindset money. I mean, the, the thing that I come back to, because Ed, you've been, you know, you said you've been diving into this for years and years. It's rare that you hear brand new concepts, but it's the stories behind it that just hit you in a different way that connect for the moment. Do, do you agree with that statement? Totally. Yeah. Yeah, the, the first book, just in this last 60 seconds, The Happiness Advantage by Sean Acor, which is spelled like anchor, but without the N. That's the first book I ever read. That's what got me on this kick 10 years ago. It's 
unbelievable. I love it. And you were the perfect guest to have here this morning for Mindset Monday. This is so much fun. I love it. Thank you for being here. Everybody else is on Zoom. Absolutely. Good to see you guys live. We'll see you here tomorrow morning, guys. Have a good morning. Bye, guys. If you'd like more information or to get connected to the Agent Power Huddle, join our free Facebook group. This call was designed for the agents in our EXP organization, but open to any agent from any brokerage. If you're a guest and you're interested in learning more about EXP or our specific resources within the Agent Collective, reach out to the person who invited you to this call to get more info. Produced by the Agent Collective Media Network.